Welcome to October, everyone. I know here in the Midwest, we're always ready for fall because that means weekends are spent apple picking and pumpkin carving and flannels, if you're into that sort of thing, and we're pretty easy to please. Outside of political news, data flow was pretty light here in the States. And, you know, looking back on this week, the largest topics underpinning U.S. dairy markets continue to be government-induced demand, whether that's in the form of direct cheese purchases, the farm-to-family food box program, or stimulus money being injected into the economy. Lucas, it's so great to chat with you again. Last week we had Eric on, but it's good to have you back. You put together a special report for our customers this week, outlining the key takeaways within that new stimulus bill. Could you fill in our listeners on how this might impact our markets in the near future? Definitely, Alyssa. Thanks for having me back. We watched this week the House released a $2.2 trillion spending bill. It was pretty similar to some of the proposals that we saw back in May, but I thought pretty important to highlight as there were some both dairy-specific and nutrition-specific programs and funding in the bill. Within dairy, there was more money for a, a direct dairy donation program, an expansion of something that was rolled out in the 2018 Farm Bill. There was also funding for some supplemental dairy margin coverage payments, so any farmers who did that DMC program. And then also some premium discounts for dairies who sign up for the three-year period. From a nutritional perspective, additional funding towards SNAP and WIC are supportive towards dairy demand as well. However, I think a key takeaway here, though, maybe is the back and forth between House Democrats and then the White House and Republicans. Certainly uh, difficult for both parties to come to a consensus so far and figure out exactly how much this bill can cost. The Democrats, of course, supporting a $2.2 trillion bill, but Republicans wanting something closer in the $1 to $1.5 trillion range. Of course, all bets are off here on any sort of stimulus bill as we got the troubling news this morning that President Trump and the First Lady tested positive for the coronavirus. Certainly a trying time for our country, and High Ground Area is, of course, hoping for a speedy recovery there. Certainly lots going on in D.C. that is concerning, but we'll continue to keep an eye on that to see how it impacts markets. Mm, yes, yes. Uh, looking over to Oceania, October takes on a different meeting, and that's peak milk production. Really, that's across all the uh, southern hemisphere, which has seen stellar milk production leading into their spring from Argentina to Uruguay to New Zealand. Australia seeing a bit more pep in their step when it comes to milk production. I wanted to bring this up because we wrote a lot this week, but the most important analysis that was released into the market was China's import volumes for August, followed by our pre-global dairy trade analysis. Let's start with China, Lucas. Yeah, certainly always interesting numbers. I always enjoy this data as it's some of the, the better data that we get on China when we can see exactly how much they're purchasing. While skim and whole milk powder is a little bit lower versus prior year, not a huge concern as of the traditional low purchasing volume time of the year for China. But I think key takeaways here and what we at High Ground really dove into, Alyssa, was those lactose and whey imports lactose up sharply, and then way strongest August on record following that trend earlier in the summer as well. China continues to rebuild the hog herd, increasing the need for that way 
Uh, I think whey prices are at reasonable levels, so China is comfortable stocking up there as well. And then, of course, lactose being uh, moved not necessarily towards the hog farms, but into infant formula and confectionery. You did a bit of writing on this too, Lisa. Any other China takeaways there? Yeah, I think most importantly, even when we look at what's been happening on the GDT events, I think a lot of the underlying support for New Zealand markets is China's food insecurity concerns. We saw damaging floods earlier this year. Uh, we saw issues with their grain crop yields, and that all followed the African swine fever infection that decimated their hog herd. And there's just been, all in all, some food shortages there. So we've seen a combination of the government step in, and, and the reason we know that it's more of a concern than maybe we would might be seeing in headlines is that the government started a campaign, a clean plate campaign, and calling on Chinese people to eat in moderation and leave no leftovers, which tells us that they're trying aggressively to to avoid food waste and ultimately focusing on rebuilding inventories. Of course, their domestic milk production has been strong, but those prices are so high that it has become more advantageous to import product and New Zealand has seen the bulk of the positive outcome from that scenario. Thanks for that, Alyssa. Always so interesting there. I think key points there on the demand side. You had also mentioned GDT coming up on Tuesday after a three-week break here. So I think maybe a little bit more anticipated than normal. And then, of course, October events always interested too as New Zealand milk production hits its peak. All signs point to an incredible season so far. Uh, good calving, milk production in the early months of the season above prior year. A bit of a snowstorm. <laughs> some of those pictures were kind of interesting to see and that will impact grazing to some extent. But I know that you had dug into the uh, offer volumes, Alyssa, and there were a few changes that Fonterra made. Any key takeaways there? Yeah, I think all in all, because lately it's been skim milk powder, nonfat dry milk being the talk of the town given the last uptick in price at the prior event. I think it's important to continue to, even though they made no changes into next week, skim milk powder on offer through the end of the year, essentially through the first December event is the lowest that the market's seen in four years, but demand levels are still really strong. So we have lower offer volumes out of New Zealand. We don't have those massive inventories in Europe anymore, and Southeast Asian demand continues to spike, as well as China. I think it also, you know, some people forget that China doesn't produce butter, which means they're not producing their own skim milk powder. So their demand needs have been really strong at auction. At the last event, every region reported lower skim milk powder purchases, except for China. And what that tells me is, given the price move, that they fought to bid for product because they were in such dire need of it, in our opinion only thing to add from a domestic standpoint too, it's been quite striking to watch the U.S. spot non-fat dry milk price kind of run up here in, in the past week or two. Highest levels since early March, so we're back to pre-U.S. pandemic levels. And then yesterday, that five and a half cent jump on the average of the mostly price. So U.S. remains lowest price key export region around the globe, but like you mentioned, some, some bullish pressure here on skin milk powder around the world. Yeah, and really we know that the move is demand-driven because when you look at global skim milk powder exports, all the growth is coming out of the U.S. and other primary regions such as New Zealand and Europe continue to report weaker export volumes, uh, but the price is moving higher. So obviously that means demand is outpacing current supply. 
Outside of the continued concern about the lower offer volumes on skim milk powder paired with the strong demand, Fonterra did remove impressive amounts of butter fat from their offer volumes into next week. Historically speaking, fat prices are very cheap. So this has become, you know, a really convenient time for buyers to step in and build inventory and take advantage of these levels. And I know that the Middle East has a lot to do with the support of those markets. And everyone had expected that region to see weaker purchasing because of the lower oil prices throughout. 2020, but really they've prioritized dairy much like many other key import regions. And I think this lower offer volumes on fat heading into next week will likely result in the Middle East and Asia stepping in to procure volumes. And ultimately, we might finally see some support on fat after seeing so much weakness this year. I think, you know, while Asian demand fundamentals are bullish, there remains some caution that we have to factor in next week because it is a Chinese holiday and that may mean uh, a lack of buyer presence on the exchange. So while we ultimately expect a positive result next week, we do caution that there is the potential to see lower purchasing volumes. Keeps it interesting. And then, of course, longer term, personally, and from a high ground perspective, I think, tend to get just a little concerned about milk supply. In the U.S., we're growing quite steadily, I think at least probably 1.5% year-over-year growth in the near term. And then we're in the low season right now, seasonally in the Northern Hemisphere, but in the South, as you mentioned, strong growth. And as long as that demand keeps up, it should be balanced to bullish. But if we get ahead of ourselves on supply, that would be a red flag for market. Yeah, so we track the 12-month rolling average of milk production growth across every key region, and they're all in the green right now. So ample milk at the moment. And like you said, if demand doesn't keep up, depending on what economies look like next year, once governments step away and aren't injecting as much stimulus, there's definitely some concern about weaker prices into 2021. Well, that does it for today. We hope you all have a great weekend, and we look forward to discussing next week's market action. Thanks, Lucas. Thanks, Alyssa. Be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And if you're interested in receiving more information, as well as our analysis, please visit highgrounddairy.com to request a free 30-day trial today. Futures and options trading involves substantial risk and is not suitable for all investors. 